0: Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trig Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders.
1: The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique.
2: say on the way back to the dock or when I'm going into Cabbage Key please remain seated until the captain turns off the seatbelt (laughs) sign everybody kind of gets it well I knew one day I was going to get some wise ass kid on board and the day came when it was just one of those kids who kind of uh, was a little bolder, you know, so it happened, you know. Please remain seated until the captain turns off the seatbelt sign and he's looking, there's no seatbelt sign, you know. And I mean, it's worked every time. You know? <laughs> people say, yes, and our trays are in the upright position. But you have to do that because people want to get up immediately, grab their bags, they're going to Cabbage Key or they're boaters and they want to help. But the thing is, as the captain, you have a a, a, a process, uh, a method. And like you said, winds, currents, I don't know where I need to be. I don't, you know, hopefully it's midship, but I may have to run up in the bow. I may have to run to the stern. And if people are all standing up, it's like I can't dock the boat. So they're really pretty good about it. But I have had... The women with their husbands on board and the husbands insist on standing up and helping and the wives are saying, and that includes
0: you, sit down. You were listening to Captain Kathy Eagle of Captain Kathy Eagle Boat Tours, describing the importance of staying seated while she docks her tour boats. Captain Kathy, also known as the Dolphin Whisperer, is a charter boat captain, a musician, and writer for the Pine Island Eagle and the Nautical Mile magazine. She has spent over 40 years boating in our local waters, delighting her passengers with her knowledge of wildlife and her talent for attracting dolphins during her tours. And now to tell her story, here is Captain Kathy. Thank you for coming, Captain Kathy. We're very excited you're here. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Certainly. We want to talk to you about Captain Eagle Boat Tours at length and about dolphin tails and whatever else we get into today, but we want to start at the beginning. Um, Where you're from originally, I know you've been here over 40 years in in this area, but we want to find out about your background at first, if you could fill us in.
2: Sure. Well, if you get on I-75 here in Fort Myers and just drive till it dead ends at the border of Canada, there's a small town called Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. In the Upper Peninsula, and that's where I was born and raised. Mm-hmm. On Lake Gichigumi, <laughs> and I'm 50% Ojibwa, Chippewa Indian. And summers were just spent running around barefoot, constantly in the water, skiing and windsurfing when that came into being, and, and just, just grew up in nature. And Canada was just across the bridge. And when I was a kid, for 50 cents and a note, Handwritten note from our moms, my best friend and I could get on the bus and spend the whole day in Canada. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy.
0: That, that's that a was wonderful a whole
1: immigration process, was it your mom?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I handwritten notes
1: were important. I didn't know they were worth crossing country lines. <laughs> yeah.
0: So where'd you go from there? Now it had to have been cold in the winter. Did that?
2: Uh, it was tied with International Falls, Minnesota, many times yeah. for the coldest yeah. places in the nation. Yeah, I remember one year. I think we had five feet of snow overnight. Literally, the town would shut down for days. Wow. But the cool thing was, then you could get on your snowmobiles and go anywhere on the roads. <laughs> it was awesome, and school was closed. And
1: so you know that's pretty cool because, uh, in fact, we were just talking about this not too long ago. I remember. It would be like snow day. And as a kid, you're like, oh my God, that's fantastic. There won't be any school. It, but then you quickly realize, at least when I was growing up, you then had nothing to do because that was more about like riding bikes, maybe playing pickup ball or doing something like, well, you know, that there's nothing that you can't do those normal activities you would do in your school. You lived in an area where you would pop on to. Other outdoor activities, so oh, yeah. you could actually get out and do something. Because I'm sorry, after you go out in the freezing cold and stand in the snow for about you know an hour or so, you're like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this. And maybe it'd been a good idea had we gone to school.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd pull our toboggans, you know, down the road, <sighs> all the find the nearest hill and just spend the day tobogganing, you know, sledding, tobogganing uh, across the street. One of the neighbors. Every year would make an ice rink in in the field, but it was the bumpiest ice rink you'd ever be on because it was never groomed. But when you learn to skate on something like that.
1: You probably don't fall down. (laughs) So you kind of appreciate the Zambonis when they take care of the professional.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that slick ice. Yeah. Yeah. And Sault Ste. Marie was called Hockey Town USA. Really? It was all about hockey. And we had of course, all kinds of Canadian teams. So as a young teenage girl and all of my girlfriends, we were, oh my goodness, we would just go hang out at the hockey rink because of all, well, Canadian boys, we we thought were just so much cuter than American boys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially growing up in a small town, it's like everybody and their brother, you know, you know, everybody so... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a great place to grow up, but I moved in here. My parents bought their home in Mount Lachey in 1978. I came down to visit. I was newly married, graduated from undergrad, and um, and that was it. I was here
1: in 79. Of course. Yeah. Do yeah. you yeah, remember how your folks decided to found Matt Lachey to even purchase? It's
2: so weird. So they used to come to the East Coast, to Hollywood, to uh, okay. Hollywood. Fort Lauderdale, then they started Marco Island, Naples, Venice. Well, there was a businessman in Sault Ste. Marie who managed the Montgomery Wards. We didn't have very many stores. And they also owned a resort in a little town on Lake Michigan. And my father owned an insurance company in Sault Ste. Marie. And, you know, so they would see each other at business meetings. And he said to my dad, Hugh. You really need to come down and check out this little town called Matlache. We just bought a little motel there. And if you go up Island Avenue and make that left behind um, I think it's a remax now. It used to be the Pamper Pup. There's a little, I don't know, maybe six or eight unit little motel. That's what he bought. Now, how he found it, I have no idea. But my parents came down and The first house they looked at was the house now that my oldest brother lives in. Parents passed away, but my dad tells the story that the realtor who showed them the house said, wait a minute, where did you say you were from? And my dad said, Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. He said, the people across the street are from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. This is another family from Sault Ste. Marie who used to live behind our home and owned the creamery in town. How did these people, it's like people just came down I-75 and went, let's drive to Pine Island. What is that? And they found it just like that, you know? Wow. And actually back then I-75 wasn't even completed. It was US 41. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It was like that North South corridor that if you lived in the Midwest, you came to the West side of Florida. If you lived on Mm -hmm. the East coast, you drove down A1A to the East Coast. Now, of course, that's all changed. But that's kind of the way it was. You want to get out of the snow, you get on US-41 and just drive south.
1: <laughs> it's always fascinating to us because even now, if um, that, like, rings a bell, right? They said, no, 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 we've, we've moved south to, you know, Pine Island. People go, oh, you left Florida or where in Florida? You know, just <laughs> no recollection. So then you start saying, have you heard of Fort Myers? You know, or maybe Naples. You know, you at least give them pro- and now almost everybody here, it's like somebody brought them on a fishing trip or somebody invited them to something. But it is kind of interesting that it's not just something that, well, even out on 75 here, you don't really drive past Pine Island. You get close to it. Right. Or it, excuse me, I mean, an actual attempt to get over here to find the place. But it is kind of fascinating how, uh, I mean, this is so dominated by the Midwest. And you might be right. It's just an easy hop on 75 for most of the Midwest. You can get to 75 and just head That's south. That's it.
2: That's it. You know, I had people from Wisconsin um, who were vacationing in Bradenton. They went on a tour with me on Saturday, the Dolphin and Nature Tour and Lunch on Cabbage Key. And when they first contacted me, I said, you do realize that, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm an hour and a half, two hours away from you. Certainly, there." you know, our other boat tours, I just want you to be aware of that. They said, Oh no, we hear you're the best and we're going to drive. And that was really a compliment. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody who told somebody, you know, who right. was on my tour and they made the trip and thank God we saw like 12 dolphins and we rode <laughs> in the wake and about eight manatee and an alligator. It was like the grand slam, you know, yeah. but it's like you said, it's word of mouth. Yeah. But you are the dolphin whisperer. That's what they say, yeah. but it's not a whisper. <laughs>
0: I don't know if you want me to do it. Go ahead. <laughs> That's what does it? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's the secret. <laughs> now everybody, they're all going to do it now. I get I get people <laughs> sending me videos from <laughs> other places, you
2: know, all over the place. And they're sending it to me, and they're on another dolphin tour, and they're using my call. Yeah. And the dolphin are riding in the wake, and they're going, look, it works. Well, no, they thought it was you.
1: <laughs> so, out of curiosity, You mentioned undergraduate degree. What's your degree in?
2: My bachelor's degree is in social work, and I have a master's degree in theology. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, my motto is I marry and bury him, but hopefully not on the <laughs> same day. I do a lot of burials at sea and... You know, just small weddings on Pelican Bay on a sandbar or in north mm-hmm. and um yeah, just found it interesting, but never wanted to be in a, a like a pastor of a church or anything. I just just wanted to me it, it, i I tell people now I worship in the Church of the Dolphins mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. after many years of being a musician in different churches it's that's where I like
1: to be yeah and when did you first get exposed to boating then?
2: Oh, as an infant. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, growing up on Lake Gichigumi, you know, growing up on Lake Superior. Of course, you know, your boating season was only a few months. And so to be able to boat 365 days out of the year is just awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, those summers, I tell people that my favorite fragrance as a young girl was Gasoline, because
0: it <laughs> meant we were going water skiing and going boating. So that's when you were first introduced, really, to boats. Uh huh. So you did you always have a love of boats? I mean, what made you decide on a uh, boat tours as a business? Well, it's
2: interesting. You know, I I just noticed a friend gave me a, a a candle, and it's and I'm a Cancer, and it says you're a water sign. Okay, so when you talk to people. Uh-huh about, you know, other captains, we just say it's in our blood. It's just in our blood. And I bought a home on Yuseppa Island in 2004. And the only way to get there is by boat. So it was all of your groceries and I have five children and now five grandchildren and dogs and we'd go for the holidays and the only way to get there is by boat. And I would navigate at night by myself and I loved it out there. Even by myself, some people would be like, "You're going out there at 11 o'clock at night." I'm like, "Well, I'm going home to the island, and it's beautiful. There's no light pollution. It's just you now, as long as you get a little bit of of starlight and moonlight, it's you know. Otherwise, you turn on your uh, your spotlight. <laughs> no, I think it's just in your blood.
1: Wow, that is interesting though. That if there's well, there's a lot of nice things, but the lack of light pollution, I can remember. You fly into major cities and there's that orangey glow and you, you'd look up people say, oh, like a certain event was happening in the night sky. Well, you don't see it at all. And you, you come here and you look up and you say, wow, I can see the sky now.
2: Yes. And it's beautiful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it, it I have um, two small dogs and one is just a year old. So I usually get up around 3.30. They they wake me up and and sometimes I'm like, oh, geez, really? We want to go outside. But I love it because you get out there and you look up and it's like, wow, I wouldn't have seen this if these little pups didn't wake me up. And uh, it is beautiful. We live in a beautiful area out here in Pine Island. It's gorgeous. So with do.
1: the dolphins and the other nature, and you just mentioned like coming across and uh, alligators, all those things have you done any studying or is it just all like firsthand experience being out there in nature? You know, kind of the background that's led you into kind of taking people for nature uh, tours.
2: Well, it started out when I lived on Yuseppa. I was involved in a church and I was doing women's retreats on the island. And I thought, well, maybe I'll get my captain's license and that way I'll be a little bit more believable. Like you're not just getting on a boat with a random woman who doesn't know what she's doing, (laughs) you know? And then one thing led to another, but, um, I started, it was the worst bout of red tide. I think it was 2018. And just before red tide, I thought, you know, I'd like to write about dolphins And maybe the Pine Island Eagle would publish my articles. So I wrote a few of them. And at the time, it was, I believe, Ed Franks was the editor. And he loved the articles. And just as I was about to be published in the Pine Island Eagle, the whole newspaper was filled with red tide. Nobody wanted to hear about happy dolphins. And then Ed left and I waited about a year and I sent another email and my articles because I realized there was a new editor. Well, as it turns out, this woman, Paulette LeBlanc, had featured me on the cover of a magazine um, years prior. And I was, Paulette? She said, I'm the new editor to the Pine Island Eagle. And she'd been on my retreat Mm -hmm. on Yuseppa Island as well. And so I was thrilled that she said, come on. She went to her, um, you know, chief editor for the breeze and, uh, you know, her boss. And she said, yes, let's do it once a month. And then next thing I know, they're saying, can you do it twice a month? Mm -hmm. And I thought, if they ask me to publish every week, it's going to be like back in grad school. I, I'll do twice a month. You know, I get a little break. But, you know, so I will write about dolphins, but also sea turtles and manatees. I wrote on starfish and and stingrays and birds. I mean, our seabirds are just fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, the magnificent frigate bird, the brown pelican, the white pelicans, There's just so much out there. Um, The seahorses, I can't recall why I decided to research the seahorses. So what you're asking is how, how do you, I research now, therefore, I have so much in my head that when people get on my boat, it's like I can not answer every question. And I'm fascinated when they ask one that I can't answer, but then it causes me to do the research. And the seahorses, often I would write in the little corner of the bar at Michelli's and just, it's hard for me to write at home. I get too distracted. Oh, I'll do a load of laundry. I'll take the dogs out. Oh, gee, maybe I need to do this. So I have to be somewhere separate. And I was researching about these seahorses well there were a couple of pine island crabbers blue crabbers came and sat down at the table next to me and I because I had never seen a seahorse I'd seen starfish and I said hey guys do you ever see seahorses you know when you're out on Pine island sound this guy pulls up his phone and in his hand he's holding Four or five seahorses, and their little tails are wrapped around his fingers. He said they're always on my crab traps because really? seahorses just float with the currents. They mm-hmm. have like two little teeny weeny little fins on the sides of their head, but they 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 just drift, and they get separated from their their people, their little other seahorse families. So they they wrap their tails around the crab traps. And then they can eat off whatever little things are growing on the crab trap, and I was just fascinated. And so I gave this guy the credits. They did publish the his photo in the Pine Island Eagle, and I also write for the Nautical Mile once a month. Oh, you do! And okay. they published his picture too. So it was like supporting this young guy who, mm-hmm. you know, just happened to have this great picture of these seahorses. And so it just—it's just a daily like.
0: What are we going to find out now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you all, you're, you you come across something each time, right? Or somebody oh, sure. asks you a question, you go research it oh, and write sure. an article. Oh, sure.
2: Wow, yeah. it's it's fascinating. And when the dolphin ride in the wake, people always say, "Well, why do they do that?" Well, it's fun, for one, and they get to show off. They're you know courting some females. The males will jump, and, and uh, but dolphins exfoliate their skin every two hours. So it's like a spa day when they get in the waves and the bubbles and they're twisting and they're turning. And the other thing is dolphin can't see up. They can see side to side. They can see down. So you'll see them roll over on their side to look Mm -hmm. up at you like this. People are like, well, why do they roll over on their side? Why are they on their backs? They're looking at you. Here's the
0: looking at you, kid. (laughs) They do. That's uh, that's happened to me a couple times. We were in um, South Seas. I remember. And, um, uh, before we moved down here and we were on a ferry, it was off season. It was not a particularly warm. And we might've been the only two on this ferry. And he was up by the captain because he was fascinated with that. And I'm just standing in the back. A dolphin came out of the water it was my height that high looking at me from the side. And I'm like, you should see this, what I just <laughs> saw I was just blown away. Isn't it awesome? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very cool. Yeah, they are very cool. Yeah. We have them out here. I was telling you how they were slapping. Yes. Yes. A lot. Often they do that to stun the fish. Okay.
2: Um, When they're foraging to eat. But also it's a form of communication, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to another dolphin that, hey, you know, there are some Spanish mackerel in the past or. Uh, you know there's some great trout over here or yeah so it's pretty they do that a lot yeah slap that 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 tail a lot
1: well we thanked our neighbors they added a lift in the last couple of months and it already is a 90 off the canal and i can only guess that now there's eight pilings instead of four and fish like structure and they love now they were coming before but now they come almost Daily or every other day because they can trap the fish there and get a nice little snack while they're down there. Absolutely. And your writing environment's interesting because we went to uh, Randy Wayne White. Yes. That's hard to say in one phrase. (laughs) Yes. He explained one time that he would go into uh, some of the dock fords prior to their opening and right in the corner of the restaurant. And I think for him, too, getting out of the house, possibly distractions at home i yep. very much like you hanging out in the corner of Michele's. That's yes. interesting about the, the environment that it takes to be creative and to right.
2: write. And even before the Doc Fords, he used to write at the Turpin Lodge. Oh, was it? Okay. Because he
0: lived just across the street up on the hill.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Well, you reminded me of him when you were talking about out there by yourself at night in the moonlight. He was always writing about that because he was a guide. He was before. a guide. Yeah. Yes. And you know he was speaking from experience. Right. Being oh, out there where you are in the moonlight. Right. And he loved it. Right. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, and I don't fish, um, but I know that at night, if you're wanting to fish for sharks, they're very active at night, and some people just love shark fishing. I am i mean, I've caught shark before, but uh, you know, to each their own.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're like, get it off our line. So, um, on the tours, tell us a little bit about the boats that you take people out on.
2: Well, I have two boats. I did lose my 25 foot world cat in hurricane Ian, wings to fly. She was my baby. Oh. I bought her in 2005, I believe. And, um, she was on a lift at the Basila Island Marina club and things just got pretty ugly. And she, f- the fuel tanks filled with water and we tried to save her, but she was sinking. And, uh, so lost her. Um, but I have a new 26 foot hurricane. And it's an interesting story because it was my brother Steve's boat. And if being from Wisconsin, uh, uh, Ohio, Michigan, you may have heard of Mackinac Island. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's a former commodore of the Mackinac Island Yacht Club. And he, this was a boat that he a snowbird. It was a boat that he was, you know, kind of his runaround little boat, but he he was considering selling it and getting something else. And so when I lost Wings to Fly, I, I, I texted him. I said, hey, would you consider selling Squallow? It's named after their golden retriever. <laughs> like, thank you, Squall, like Storm. And it's a 26-foot hurricane. <laughs> and I te- it was in a text message. And about five minutes later, they called he and his wife and said, you know, hey, we're really sorry, but Squallow's not for sale. I said, listen, I totally understand. They said, no, you don't. We're giving her to you. Oh. So this boat is parked at the Tarpon Lodge. You'll see it out there with Captain Kathy Eagle. And I run out of there mainly to Cabbage Key and my tour, Dolphin Tour, uh, the sandbar at Pelican Bay, the little manatee cove in there, a bunch of manatee in there right now. Mm. And then I have a 26-foot leisure cat at my home, behind my home in Malache. And I, I run uh, just back bay, sunset tours out of Michelle's, But the bulk of my work is is out of the Tarpon Lodge now. So It's a great place to be. As you know, the sunsets are gorgeous. The best, Oh, yeah, beautiful.
1: So, what do you like about the? Because before they were two cats, now you have a hurricane, a single hull, and the cat. What do you like about the cats that you oh, that were so good about them for cat. your business?
0: You're smiling. Oh gosh, <laughs> I
2: when I test drove my world cat, I was on Fort Myers Beach, and I was with the salesman, and a. Big Hatteras went by and I pulled the throttles back, their dual engine. And he said, Don't do that. And I said, What? He said, No, just go through it. And when I went through the wake of that Hatteras, I was like, Oh my gosh, this cuts through the waves. Plus, with the dual engines, you look like a master docking anywhere
1: because you just <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, just the form tweak. reverse and the opposite. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. So now with a hall, even though I have two 150 Yamahas, they're really close together, so they kind of cavitate each, so they don't work like uh, the, the, the dual haul with the engines further apart, but I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm getting better, yeah. Get better with it. Well, you There's, want to try something new, don't you?
1: Sure.
2: Yeah, it's, it's just a little harder to, the to, best. to dock. It's not as pretty when I go into a dock now.
1: <laughs> we were staying someplace, and um, they did uh, offshore fishing charters out of there. And these are 55, 60, 65-foot Vikings and, and oh, ships of yes. that elk. And, you know, any marina's tight quarters for the most part, right? And you'd see these guys come in, and it was like they were riding their bike. Oh, And yes. they're standing backwards. And they got their hands behind them. And and it's just, I think, you know, and I realized, you know, two engines properly separated to your point make a huge difference. Now, not counting um, what's a little thing under the water that really large vessels have? Um, Uh, Thrusters or like a ball thrusters. Yeah, like a thruster or something Uh to help you out. But it it seems like once you master that, that to your point, you just look like nobody's business when that thing.
2: I watched a boat come in to Cabbage Key. I was sitting on my boat waiting for my guests. And I'm not sure the size of the boat, probably 50 foot, maybe larger. Everybody on the boat was so calm. Like sometimes people come in and and they're just like freaked out. They don't know what to do. It's like, they'll come in with bumpers, but no lines. Like they have (laughs) no lines attached to the boat. The dock master's like, really, people? <laughs> like, how do you want me to tie you up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you got your bumpers. But this boat, I watched this boat. I was in, like you said, I was in, ah. I mean, I wanted to just ring my bell and applaud because it looked effortless. And it's like the people on board just knew, mm-hmm. this captain knew what he was doing. They were just relaxed, nothing. The dock master is not, shouting. It was beautiful.
1: <laughs> we, uh, a little diversion, we'll get back to you. We were staying at a place along the Keys and uh, we talked to the dockmaster out, you know, having a drink one night and I said something like, you must have stories. He says, oh, you don't understand. He said that uh, we are, somehow we have become the prime destination for brand new boat owners out of Miami. And he said, they refuse training. They, you know, they won't accept it. They won't do it. They've not gone to any courses. And I said, well, you know, how does, you know, what are the manifestations of that? He says, well, they come in and there was a kind of a curvy channel to get back to the docking area. So I think to your point, the panic starts to rise and particularly if it's a big vessel, they'll send some dock hands or somebody out. And he said, it'll be things like we say, throw us your lines. And they'll throw the line, but not attached to a cleat on the boat. <laughs> or the other one was this one gentleman. they kept saying, um, you know, turn it around, back it in, back it in. And the guy wouldn't do it. So that I thought, well, if that's how he wants to get tied up. And he goes, you know, we're having trouble getting on and off the boat. Because the the little fingerlings weren't overly long. <laughs> and I was like, well, we told you. And there's also too, like, we'll walk you back in. No, no, let me do it. And they're smashing into the dolphins and stuff, you know, so... It's, it's everybody's going to make the mistakes and we've certainly made our fair share, but uh, you do tell the can tell the people that uh, I think the more it's almost like the more serious you are, the better you are because you respect that there's current and wind and that bow can be a big sail in certain wind conditions. Ooh,
2: that's so true. That is so true. The water's always moving. Yes. And,
1: and no brakes, right? I think exactly. people forget there's no brakes on a boat.
2: Exactly. And sometimes <laughs> it really catches you by surprise. You got the current running and the wind blowing in the same direction. And 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 you you know, you think you're clearing a pylon, you know, you're about midship, but your stern can still hit because the wind is blowing you. You've got to know the speed to get past it, and you'll just or go slow if you don't know. Yeah. So I tell people. Go slow.
1: What Did we hear tell? one time, the best rule is only go as fast as you're willing to get hit or hit something, Try, <laughs> which is a long way to say just go really, really slow. And as we
2: say, there are two <laughs> kinds of boaters here in Southwest Florida. Okay. Those who have gone aground and those, those who, who will. will go aground. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the others are lying. <laughs> You see even the best of captains go aground.
1: (laughs) Or if you see rental on the side of the vessel. Oh, get away. We turn the other (laughs) direction. Just to be safe. Just to give them room. So talk about the kinds of tours that you do uh, for people.
2: Um, Well, the Dolphin and Nature Tour is the most popular. It's two hours out of Tarpon Lodge. And we stay in Pine Island Sound. uh, Again, looking for the bottlenose dolphin. And their life expectancy is up to 50 years. Uh, and we have an old guy named Scar, and, and every now and then we see him. He's he's crutchy and old, and he doesn't want to hang out with anybody, but it's fun to see him. And his dorsal fin is really scarred up, so uh, you, you could tell who he is, and he's big. The girth on this dolphin is huge. Um, but we spend two hours on the water, and we go into Pelican Bay, which is the backside of Costa. And there's a little what we call the keyhole in there. And it's kind of, when there are kids on board, I say, it's the Pirates Coast. (laughs) The Pirates hit all the treasure, you know. And that's where the manatee are from about November to April. They go in there for the warm water. They leave in April for cooler water. So they do not like water temperature below 68 or above 78. So they'll migrate along the Gulf Coast to Texas or if they're on the East Coast, they'll go as far up as the Carolinas in Virginia. So we do that. And then we stop at Little Sandbar um, in Pelican Bay. So, you know, kids can get their toes in the sand, pick up a few shells, and then back to the dock. Now, the the second option for that is a stop at Cabbage Key for lunch, which I highly recommend. You know, it's a 50 bucks extra, but you've got an hour and a half on Cabbage Key. You know, there's a water tower to climb or go for tortoise burrows. Occasionally Manatee in the Cove, a nice gift shop, $90,000 bills hanging off the wall, 90,000 of them. And so it's a great experience if you've never been there mm-hmm. to, to, to experience mm-hmm. that. Um, and then I also do Barrels at sea. I've got a lot of Neptunes out there. I call them my Neptunes if I'm ever out in a, by myself in a, in, a, in a storm. I go, all right, guys, I need a little help here. Guide the boat. <laughs> Can't see. It's pouring rain uh and so i do offer the ash scattering i have had people call for full body uh burials and i said no you have to go like 30 miles offshore i'm like yeah. no i don't want dead bodies on my boat. no, no
1: thank so you. it's legal but that but it's way offshore
2: yeah yeah but it it's is? way offshore i think they do a lot more of those from what i uh, from what i've read is you know, off the west coast you know the, oh okay uh, 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 uh of the United States. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of them are done the here. the left
1: coast. We like to think of Florida.
2: Florida. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the ash scattering is a really very personal um, family on board. And this is kind of their last goodbye. They've had the memorial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, it could be a handful of, you know, just s- a small group. Because I take six. Uh, it's called a six-pack license. So it's just very lovely. And, and I encourage them to bring flowers because... When you throw the ashes in, they dissipate very quickly. So we throw fresh flowers in so we can see where their loved one is moving, that that current. And then I do a circle of life around that. And if they have music, they can you know tell me what songs, and I'll play them for them, or they can, you know, Say prayers, whatever. It's very private and Isn't very it? personal.
0: In the coordinates, I think. And I can give them the you, coordinates. The coordinates. Yeah. That was when I read that, I was started getting teared up. because yeah. So the, anywhere it must be special, Earth, they can go, yes, that's where we were.
2: That's what a where great we idea. I have a great story about a, um, a man that was flying in from Oregon. And his father had been, you know, in the business end of Lee Memorial Hospital. Back in the day, like you know, one of the CEOs or whatever, and his father had passed, and but it was his mother's ashes, and her wishes were be to be spread out in Charlotte Harbor. Apparently, they'd done a lot of boating and fishing there, so he's flying in from Oregon, and and it's just a a, a single guy. There was no family, so I. Asked another captain to come with me, Captain Jack. And uh, we had been having some pretty bad weather, particularly in Southwest Cape. There had been tornadoes like in the days previous. Um, but I said, listen, we've got a window here. I'm looking at my radar. I said, he's flown all this way. We really need to do this. Let's go. So, oh, we get out there. And he's got a bottle of Irish whiskey, and three shot glasses, and one was for his mom, one was for him, and one was for me. Of course, Captain Jack, you know, there's another captain on board. Okay, fine. And so (laughs) he tosses her ashes in, throws the Jameson, and all of a sudden the guy lights up with lightning and i said <laughs> your mom was quite the spitfire wasn't she and he said oh yes she was i said well there's your sign every time you see that lightning that's your mama and of course we beeline for the dock.
0: oh wow <laughs> it's like i wish i'd met that woman mm-hmm. <laughs> well you know she was there
2: yes of course it's amazing of course uh then the little sunset tours I do, um, I do bear, uh, the air scattering from Michele's too. La- that's just an hour, hour and mm-hmm. 15 minutes, but it's very affordable for everyone, you know, 40 bucks a person. If there are two people, it might be a lot to pay $340 for two hours out. Mm-hmm. And so the nice thing about the Micheli's tour, as I said, it's affordable mm-hmm. if it's just a couple or, you know, a, a mom and a child and they just want to get out on the water it's a nice place to, we just go out to Matlaché Pass, under the bridge. Of course, it's a little bit now of a more of a Matlaché disaster tour, I hate to say, yeah, because right. so many of the landmarks that were there, you know, Hooked Island Grill and the old Fish House, of course, um, Mount right. Lachey Wellness Center, yeah. uh, the the trailer park, you know, uh, I used to call it, uh, you know, this is Matlaché at its best. Buy a manufactured home, a trailer, paint it the most obnoxious color you can think of, plop it down on the least piece of land, and this is your paradise. And so, Matt Lachey, the colorfulness is a little bit, a little bit drab right now, but we're coming back slowly but surely. Once that road gets finished, people can begin to have a vision of what they may want to do and what's possible.
1: Well, and I know nothing about road construction, but it appears it's the same or a similar process to when they redo the seawalls. And it looks like it's going to provide the protection that would allow somebody to be able to invest and Correct. start to fulfill the dream. Because I would have to assume right now, you say, well, if I spent X amount of dollars, is it all going to be washed away again? Correct. And that looks like that. Um, uh, those are like massive pieces of steel.
2: I think there's 65 feet long. And they're pounding them through the limestone. These roads, I I mean, it's, it's a process and everybody has to be patient. But it's the only way, as you said, to prevent this from happening mm-hmm. again, to prevent the loss of the road. And um, thank God for, you know, all of the captains. We were... You know, essentially not doing tours for quite some time, but we were all out there moving people and food and water and whatever people needed, um, helping them move whatever they could out of their homes, uh, taking people out there for the first time who didn't even know if they had a home. Mm -hmm. And it's like I wasn't a captain those days. It was the social worker and the theologian on those days because people were grieving. Yeah. And I would not mix groups if it was someone in that instance who just needed to find out what kind of damage. It was overwhelming. It was overwhelming for many people. Um, but then I was bringing people out who wanted to volunteer to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, everybody pitched in, Yeah, as you know. Yeah, the island was amazing. As you well know. Yeah.
1: So right. the good guest stories, uh, withholding names that you've either really enjoyed or were funny to you. I mean, I think when you've been out on the water as much as you've been, and there's just things that are normal, but might shock people that aren't as familiar with the waters as you are.
2: I always say on the way back to the dock, or when I'm going into Cabbage Key, please remain seated until the captain turns off the seat belts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> everybody kind of gets it. Well, I knew one day I was going to get some wise-ass kid on board. And the day came when it was just one of those kids who kind of uh, was a little bolder, you know. So it happened, you know. Please remain seated until the captain turns off the seatbelt sign and he's looking. There's no seatbelt sign. You know, and I mean it's worked every time. You know, people say, yes, and our trays are in the upright position. <laughs> but you have to do that because people want to get up immediately, grab their bags, they're going to Cabbage Key, or they're boaters and they want to help. But the thing is, as the captain, you have a a, a, a process, uh, a method. And like you said, winds, currents, I don't know where I need to be. I don't, you know, hopefully it's midship, but I may have to run up in the bow. I may have to run to the stern. And if people are all standing up, it's like, I can't dock the boat. Mm -hmm. So they're really pretty good about it. But I have had women with their husbands on board and the husbands insist on standing up and helping and the wives are saying, and that includes you sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Even though people are boaters, you don't know their level of skill. And it's, if I... Sense that someone is very, very good with the lines, I will occasionally ask them, could you throw that to the dockmaster? Perfect. Mm -hmm. Great. But otherwise, stay out of the way. (laughs) It's just, you have to. Just as on any of the other vessels, like the Lady Chadwick, Mm -hmm. you know, please stay seated until the boat is completely secured at the dock and the captain says, okay. Well, that's good. Then they
0: know what they're
1: supposed to do.
2: Yes, because it's it's all about safety. Fun and safety.
1: Well, even on a recreational boat, what I've told people is, I, I'm not saying you're going to do anything wrong, but you don't know what's going on in my head, in terms of, and mostly condition related, right? I mean, ideally, you just pull in and you know you're going to tie up to starboard or port or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, but, but so often you don't know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I mean, I've been turning into things or pulling in, and all of a sudden there's a gust of wind mm-hmm. or the I misjudge the current, and they're like, over here trying to do something like that. and I'm like, "No, no, 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 or
0: right.
1: or sometimes they said, we'll put that on and I'll use it as a spring and pull myself back to the but well, then I forget they don't know what that means. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? right. So it right. is best a lot of times, to your point, I'd almost ra- rather run and do something myself. right than undo right, something
2: right. and And it's true. sometimes if you do have someone who can just throw a line. To it's the dock master, right? you no, know, because Cabbage Key can get crazy,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: and yes. you know you've got, you know, boats coming and going, you know, and layers of boats all converging to find, you know, what what people don't realize is that Cabbage Key, I believe, has sixty uh, mooring spaces, but they're designed for certain lengths and widths of boats. And you see people on boats. Well, why can't I park there? Well, why can't I park there? And they won't listen to the dockmaster. They just see an empty space and they want to go for it. So it's so important to listen. I wrote an article on dolphins and dockmasters. They are there to assist us Mm -hmm. and to keep that marina organized so that people don't get hurt. And vessels don't get damaged. They're they're valuable
1: people. Absolutely.
2: And I always, uh, you know, always tip your dock masters. E- you know, even even if they weren't even there when I came in and tied up, I still tip them, of course, because it's their dock, and that's how they make a living.
1: I've often looked at them. Uh, certainly knowledgeable. They know the slips and everything, but. If nothing else, they're my best insurance against damage to the boat itself. Correct. Um, I mean that ability to walk something in or uh, help get you in if there is winter current. I mean, if it's a dead still day, but let's be honest, how often does that happen? Virtually never. Right. And there's re- there's almost always some kind of current. Line. They're the people that, and to your point, once you get at least one line on out, it starts to make everything a lot easier. Sure. And, and they're knowledgeable, and they won't pull too hard. And sure. You know. I know a lot of people like try to stop a moving vessel. Sure. You're not that strong.
2: No, you're going to break <laughs> and snap. I have to keep your all of your body parts in the boat. Please do not reach out to try and hold onto the pylon. You know? <laughs> um, the other thing about the dock masters is they'll be there when you're up having lunch, and some other boat is pulling into a slip next to you, and they have to either sometimes they have to adjust your lines, but they're going to do their very best to make sure somebody doesn't crash into you that's that's they feel very responsible for your vessel and, and and some people just don't realize that it's you know tying it up is one thing but then keeping an eye on it mm-hmm. you know adjusting if need be yeah you know throwing out a bumper if you have bumpers handy
1: are you looking to expand any kind of tours or do different kind of tours or are the ones you have you know, ones you enjoy and the public enjoys. I know you said that one is the most popular. So have you kind of honed those in over the years or right. that's kind of what you do? And it
2: is, you know, I used to do when I was running out of, of Jug Creek, you Shoreport, I used to do a lot more Boca Grand trips, but I'm not doing them anymore. Um, I used to do a lot more North Captiva, but um, sadly to say, we've lost, uh, you know, one of the main restaurants out there it used to be Barnacle Phil's, it's mainstays. Um, I find that what works for me is I've tweaked these, I run my own boats, I don't hire other captains and it's, it's what I feel that I do best. And so, you know, other than, you know, boat grant is just a long way.
1: Yes, it is. And I was that path can run.
2: be like a washing machine. Uh, The concierge at Gasparilla Inn a few years back before COVID asked me if I would be their exclusive sunset tour person. And she said, you know, we'll provide, you know, charcuterie and and champagne and, you know, just take them for a sunset cruise. And I, I said, well, let me think about it. And I said, my five children will kill me. Not only am I, you know, out there in, in, in within, you know, Cabbage Key, Yuseppa, Pine Island, but now I'm coming back in the dark across Charlotte Harbor. So I offered it to Captain Will Olds. Uh, Will does a lot of Boca Grande runs, and I think it was his fourth trip. And it took him 30 minutes to get over there and two and a half hours to get home the wind shifted out of the east he was by himself with a handheld spotlight and the waves were coming over the bow and he said kathy you were right (laughs) and so i just said you know i it's not worth the money you know right i mean i get paid to go boating to keep my boat afloat all the maintenance you know my my slip fees Mm -hmm. the fuel Otherwise, I'd be doing it anyway, you know? Right. And, it, and, it, and it's just, it's a great way to to stay
0: on the water. Well, look at all the joy you're bringing your passengers, though.
2: It's really great. I mean, I have people who've been with me nine, ten times. Mm-hmm. As soon as the snowbirds, as soon as they come down, they, they'll they book two or three trips right. in advance. Right. You know, the kids are coming. We have friends coming because they know it's a sure thing. Yeah and they're comfortable and uh, they have a good time.
1: Yeah. So speaking of bookings, how best does it get does somebody get a hold of you if they want to book a tour?
2: Um they can go to com, or captaincathy at captaincathy.com and my phone number's on there. Um people do email me, um but when I'm on the water it's a lot easier if people shoot me a text. You know, hey, we're interested in a tour and then I can text them these are the tours I offer. It's just quick mm-hmm. because I don't want to spend time. You know, I want to be with my passengers. I, very, the only time I really pick up my phone is to check the radar, or to make a reservation at Cabbage Key. Um, Cabbage Key does take reservations for those of us captains who are running daily. Um, it's very nice of them to do so. Uh, they really honor the fact that we're bringing people there mm-hmm. consistently. Mm-hmm.
0: And I noticed on your website, all your tours are on there, the price explanation Mm -hmm. that people can research you there before they, you know, book. And then you have Facebook and Instagram both.
2: Yeah, I guess I do. I'm not a big social media person. I try to at least throw up some pictures and say, yeah, "Yeah, I'm still in business. No, no. It looks looks good. Well, good. (laughs) I don't have a social media person.
0: (laughs) But yeah, but this, this has been, is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to mention today? Um, Just thank you for doing this for Pine Island. Um, I think it's really cool
2: because, uh, uh, my daughter does a podcast. She's a real tour. Um, and it's just becoming another way for people. Like sometimes you get tired of listening to the radio, Mm -hmm. Margaritaville, you want to listen to a podcast. You just kind of want to try something else. Yeah. And it's just really cool that you're doing it and and especially
0: um you know, just just lifting up this community. So thank you. Thank you for oh, having me. Oh, our pleasure. We wanna do this. We wanna help. Great. And um I, I hope it's helping. And you've been so enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. And people need to read you in the Eagle too. Cause those Absolutely. articles are fascinating. I didn't know the pelicans were endangered till I read, you know, in the seventies until you wrote that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. um no, and the dolphins. Of course, you write about them, but right, uh, right. yeah, you know, whatever
2: I, whatever you know, pops in my head to, as start to research, and then it just kind of rolls. With, you know, you you find oh, I didn't know that. I'm going to write about that, and uh, and that's why I think they're interesting because I don't know everything, but I want to learn. As and you're
0: learning. As yep. Perfect. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you so much.
1: We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us people to interview, or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at experience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us, and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast.